Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Parent. Spirit. Some people hear it. Some, some people, people fear it. Spirit. Spirit. Some, some people, people just won't go near it. it. Oh, hey, welcome to a new episode of Dead City Drive-In. I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. You guys, we're here once again, cozied up in our Plymouth Fury. Varoom, varoom. To, to do a very special commentary episode of, oh my God, one of our favorite movies one of, of all our time. all-time favorites. That is Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Two. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to do this. I feel like we could talk ad nauseum about these oh, movies. Oh, most definitely. Um, we'll make a quick, short little intro here, but I think we should just jump yeah, right let's get into, into it. it. Let's you get know what into I mean? it because I want to watch me some Ghostbusters too. So here's the deal. It's a commentary episode, and if you've never done this before, the way it works is we're going to watch this movie together. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we, uh, oh, you have to find your copy of Ghostbusters 2, mm-hmm. whether it's a DVD, uh, a VHS, a Blu-ray. A, a laser disc. 4K Ultra. I hope it's not a laser disc because you'll have to flip it over halfway through. Yeah, well. <laughs> That'll be kind of annoying. Um, although you could just pause us yes. and it would be fine. So here's what you do. You put in your copy of Ghostbusters 2. As soon as you press play and as soon as you see the Columbia woman. Yeah, well, the goddess Columbia. Columbia Pictures. It, it says Columbia Pictures, and there's like the kind of starburst torch that she's got and everything. As soon as you see you her- You can see her armpit. Start to fade up. You press pause. And then you are going to wait until you hear on this recording, Janos Poha say, Oh, command me, Lord. And when you hear that, you're going to press play- on your Blu-ray, your VHS, your DVD, your whatever module you're using, and we will hopefully be in sync together watching this film. Yes, yes, in sync. Okay, so I hate in sync. Without yeah, you said that earlier. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan, huh? Yeah, Are I mean, you, not, not that I have anything against them individually and everything. I was, was just, just gonna ask. It was, you know, just not your bag. Well, I got to remember here too because, like, you know, Backstreet Boys and In Sync. I get those two confused. What's what's the other one? Not One Direction. That's that's the one. With that's the one. Harry Styles. But what's what was the other one that um that Robbie Williams was in? Uh, Take that. Sure. Belle Bouffe DeVoe. Which I, which one was it? I really don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I see. I always thought that it was because you were the one that got the the jump on uh, braided dreadlocks that you had dyed blue. That's what how you wore your hair for like three years, and then the dude from InSync started doing it. And you were like pissed because you. I'm pretty sure he stole it from you. I am ashamed. Yeah, it looked good on you. Yeah, well, you should do it again. You should get back to that, Chris. You know, I probably could. You know, I still have the hair. Yeah, and now it's all sufficiently gray to where I'm sure it would probably take the blue dye very well. Manic panic, baby. This is what you came here for to listen to us wax rhapsodic on In Sync. Um, and all some over other their faces. bullshit. 
<laughs> okay, guys, so here we go. One more time. You put in your movie. You can pause this, put your movie in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as you see the Columbia logo lady, you press pause, play this thing again, and as soon as you hear Janos Poha say, Oh, command me, Lord. You'll press play, and we will be in sync. So you guys ready? We're going to do this shit right now, for real. Ghostbusters 2, I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Excited. In three, two, one. Oh, command me, Lord. Here we are. Here she is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, I didn't... Now, we're immediately missing that incredible, spooky Elmer Bernstein hook. Oh, yeah, with the Owns Martino. Five years later. And you want to know something? That was a fucking eternity back in 1989. I mean, some people say that it was part of the problem with the movie. Was that it was too long? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that I was waiting with bated breath because when I was seven years old and saw Ghostbusters, the original, in theaters and everything, I, I couldn't get enough. I mean, that that is probably the one movie that I've seen more than any other film ever. And, uh, you know, I was tied it over with the real Ghostbusters television series. But when I heard that Ghostbusters 2 was going to be coming out in the summer of 89, I was like, oh, shit, man, I cannot wait. And when I I remember sitting in the theater and seeing that five years later, like just that was it, man. I was I was arrived. I was there ready to rock and roll. Dude, you are you have described my exact experience. I, I, there's no reason for me to even attempt to say that's exactly yeah. what I was. And I still remember that theater and that five years later mm-hmm. hitting. And I was like, here we go. Words don't really do justice how big the summer of 1989 was for those who were not there. Oh, God. I mean, it, it really, it was probably one of the best summer movie seasons ever. I mean, we got a ton of sequels that were coming out that summer, which really, that was, I think, probably the first summer of sequels, really. I mean, we uh, that particular summer, there was Star Trek V, Ghostbusters 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out, and then a lot of just other great films on, on top of that. I mean, we get... Uh, well, probably the biggest movie of of the summer and probably of the decade at that point, Tim Burton's Batman. Oh my God! And the the hype for that was outrageous. Yeah, uh, and it probably did overshadow Ghostbusters two a little bit, um, but I still think the excitement was was palpable. Yeah, um, I remember that I did. My cousin got to see it before me. Yeah, and uh, so I was asking all about it, and I remember the one thing I wanted. I, I like I just wanted. I needed to know. Is the Ecto two in it? Oh, so I to say I, I was a little disappointed. That said, yeah. Um, and there it is, the logo. Mm-hmm. Now, let me. While we're since we're there about disappointment, I just want to get off real fast because mm-hmm. I do not want to dwell on this. Okay. The the negative aspects of Ghostbusters two right off the bat. Okay. We might find more as the as the movie goes on, but yeah, there's one. Number one thing that now, as a kid, not not an issue. Number a, one that's actually number two? But as an issue, that is an issue for me now, whenever I watch this movie. Okay. The fatal flaw of Ghostbusters 2. Please, enlighten me. I want to know. Randy Edelman's score. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're not going to get much better than Elmer Bernstein. Hey, look, she's dead. <clears throat> Dude, the problem is, it sounds like the score for fucking Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, and it's it's everything I hate about '90s scores, especially yep. light, frothy comedy scores. Yeah, Ghostbusters isn't a light, frothy comedy. Yeah, it's a fucking 
sci-fi ghost extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they lost sight hey, of that Hey, wait a, a second. Bit. Isn't that the director of Ghostbusters Afterlife? What? Hey, wait a second. That, that's only like a 12-year-old kid. And, uh, you know, his sister's in the movie as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll point her out when we get there if you so, don't yeah, already actually, that know. So, yeah, actually, that was Jason Reitman ragging on the Ghostbusters, saying that they were full of crap, or at least his dad says they're full of crap, and his dad would know because his dad directed this movie. <laughs> you know, recently it has kind of come to the attention, or come out, that Ivan Reitman, the late, great Ivan Reitman, mm-hmm. but um, was a bit of a tyrant on set. Uh, yeah, what was it? Uh, I was reading it. There was an actress that like said that she had some serious issues well i mean i guess it it ultimately it proved to be i'm not gonna say a non-event because it was it was affected. by this time he was with us any longer well yeah it affected her enough to where you know she you know put some serious thought into it and everything but that you know he was a little cross with her and i, I don't know I, i've worked with enough directors that you know they will push you and say and do things to get what it is that they want on camera you know and in the can um, well, I think that her issues with him was that he was a screamer and he was kind of like a power hungry director. And yeah. and it makes sense. I mean, when you get to what's going on, what happened? What is that? What is what? Oh, I don't know. It just said suddenly chapter two on the fucking screen. Did you sit on the remote? No, it's sitting right in front of me. Oh. A little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> the Institute for Advanced Theoretical Research. Ooh, look. That's, That's scary. Oh, yeah. Um, um, let's take a moment. The late great <sighs> Harold Ramis. Oh, Harold. Oh, Harold. And of course, the beautiful Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. And those wonderful air ducts. <laughs> <laughs> Flex ducts. I I always like the idea that the Ghostbusters go their own separate paths mm-hmm. um after, you know. Okay. Now, did I? I heard something is that these two actors that are inside this thing being observed are actually like a real married couple. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, that. I thought I'd heard that, and that they are like improv actors. And I, I may be talking completely out of my ass. It's been it makes sense. Happen. I always thought the guy was he looked like a he looks like a mixture of a uh, Michael Douglas and David Margulies, the the mayor of the movie. Okay, because I always thought he looked a little bit like uh, oh my gosh, um, Bill Bixby. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got a Bill Bixby yeah. quality to him. There's Catherine Reitman. Yeah, as the little girl with the. Let's see what happens when we take the puppy away. <laughs> I like the subtlety of what Egon researches. Like, this is funny. But it actually does tie into the plot. Positive yeah. and negative reinforcement. Well, yeah, that how uh, emotions can actually influence the environment. Which, yeah. believe it or not, is, I mean, there there are theories that, that, that are out there that, you know, that is something that happens. And I mean, I mean, the idea, too, that emotions can be left behind in a physical place, which was something, believe it or not, that I kind of studied when I was in graduate school. You were a regular Egon Spangler. Uh, I wish, man. I totally wish I was. Do you remember when you tried to drill a hole in your head? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, they, they Ghostbusters was such a big hit. Mm-hmm. They wanted a sequel immediately, of course. And... It couldn't happen. 
It well, just, yeah, because they had to let Bill Murray go off and do Razor's Edge. <laughs> yeah, they they just could not get each other. Nobody could be on the same page. Um, and that, you know, probably worked against the movie in the long run. But they probably tried concept after concept mm-hmm. for this movie uh, before they finally reached the plot. Uh, it, it took like a meeting with all of the agents mm-hmm. to get together, to have them all sit down together in a room to hash it out. You know, in yeah. order in order for this movie to get everybody's got to sign off on it. Yep. Hey, that's Nora Dunn's brother. Is she really? Are they really related? Yeah, that's Nora Dunn from well, Saturday I mean, I, Night Live. Well, I know Kevin that's, Dunn, but yeah, I had no idea that they that's were her brother. And then, of course, you've got Chloe Webb, who played Nancy Spungen in Sid and Nancy, and was also in another Ivan Reitman movie, uh, Ivan Ivan Reitman movie, Twins. She played uh, Danny DeVito's love interest in that. Yep. And Chloe Webb is a seriously underrated actress. I know. She is phenomenal. I remember even when this movie came out that my my dad, I think, was like, she's really funny. Wait a second. What's the date on this? Uh, Doesn't he say 2000? New Year's. On New Year's Eve. Now, what's the date that she says? Because didn't we just reach that date this year? <laughs> Does she say 2022? I think it might be, yeah. <laughs> and I've actually stayed at the Holiday in Paramus. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Chris, you, of all people, know better that if you're going to say the name of that Holiday Inn, you have to call it the Holiday Inn Paramus. There has to be a beat in there. Oh, we missed it. What, what was the date? Ah, oh, damn oh, it. Oh, we missed it. Oh, let's rewind. No, you rat bastard. <laughs> I guess we're just going to have to watch it again. Yeah, I guess so. As a kid, I did not get this joke at all. I had no <laughs> oh, idea. Oh, really? Yes. See, even, well, I was 12 years old when this came out, so I kind of got the joke. That I was like, she totally got picked up in a bar by a guy that said he was an alien, and he banged her. Yeah, she told her husband, oh, an alien, he forced me into this room, which, by the way, is, I think, the explanation for everybody that has had an alien experience. I think that it's just they got drunk with their friend in the mm-hmm. woods while hunting, and they fucked each other. And woke up with a sore ass the <laughs> and next to day. explain like, why. Uh, oh, aliens! Fucking Moon Man came and, and fucked us! Notice how she has to look at the sign to remember what his name is. Yeah. What <laughs> nice little acting touch. Starman, E.T. This is, the, this is the shortest TV show ever made. Yeah. He comes back, welcome back to World of the Psychic, and then that's it. Their last segment is literally a minute and a half long. Well, you know, this would have been my favorite show, too. And also, I was a fan of Bassmaster. Hey, watch this cat. Look how that guy takes that he cat. Is, <laughs> he takes the cat upside down. <laughs> That was like something that I only noticed recently on a rewatch. Yeah. That is a guy who does not know how to touch a pussy. Oh. Yeah, doesn't like to touch that pussy. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, I am a fraud. That's how you know you're synced up with those guys. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, it's Kurt Fuller. Go-to grease bag of the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, but you want to know something? He's actually got a recurring role on the TV show Evil, which uh, if you have not watched Evil, I highly recommend it. It is a very, very 
haunting and scary show, but it's also devilishly clever. See what I did there? I said devilishly. Mm. Um, and it's a very funny show as well. So uh, I can't say enough good things about that show. And he plays a psychiatrist on the show, and he's very good in it as well. And sympathetic, too. This episode is sponsored by Evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can see it on ABC. Uh, no, it's on uh, Paramount Plus. This show is no longer sponsored <laughs> by the show Evil. Ah, it is Vigo. Okay, so here he is. Maybe, maybe the best part of the movie. <laughs> I am a big fan of Peter McNichol and Janusz Poha. He takes over for the small weirdo role that uh, Rick Moranis had in the first one. Yes, I mean he basically functions because let's let's not. Let's be honest, Chris. Well, the, the, actually, the small, annoying weirdo. That's because yeah. really, you know, we we later find out that like everybody loves Lewis Tully. Well, yeah, and that's why he's back in this movie. You know, but here he's just the annoying little weirdo. The thing is, and I wind up loving him as much too. It's like yeah. in Ghostbusters three, I would love to see Janusz Pohan. Oh, he needs that. to be in another Ghostbusters movie. But the thing about sequels in the eighties and maybe the nineties too is. They, and I don't know if this is like a studio mandate or what, but all of the big sequels are beat for beat remakes remakes of the prior film. I agree. Which makes most of them, in retrospect, unwatchable. Yeah, with the exception of probably Empire Strikes Back. Sure. Which started off the 80s, and this one pretty much ends the 80s because this is 89. And I think, what was it, the the trailer on New Year's Eve of the last decade of the 20th century? I remember that trailer. You know, I remember, yeah, I mean, like, I got goosebumps. Oh, you know? me too. And it's like, it's the, the whole thing starts with, what is it, the, the cab that pulls up in and front the of the museum, washing. and the wind blowing, and Sigourney and Weaver gets out. out of the cab, like, her hair is blowing, yep. and she looks all bound and determined. Yep. I remember that fucking trailer, like, the yesterday. My best of the coven. <laughs> Raise um, a cult. So, look at that Christmas tree he has. He's mm. celebrating Christmas. How yeah. cute. I never noticed that tree. Um, Dan, what, what do what do you think? What do you think Ray is smoking in that pipe? Opium. <laughs> I think they're more interested in my epididymis. I love Bill Murray's response to this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> little did anybody realize that Egon was a fucking pussy hound. <laughs> I love it. It's always the quiet ones. Uh-huh. Two power. Yeah, there we go. Man, I'd love to go to raise a cult bookstore. It's it's interesting to see. I don't. God damn, dude! I don't even know where to start with this movie. Like. The, I'm so overwhelmed by emotion with Ghostbusters. Like it's like mm. there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I like that this movie starts to expand the world. I like that we get to see where these guys live and work. It's something that you know. Well, we love these characters, and of course, we want to know more about the characters, not just their exploits, but you know who these people are, their relationship to one another. And I don't think that the movie does anything. Uh, egregious with its uh characterizations whereas like a movie that came out the same summer uh last crusade i think really does a disservice by having characters come back 
but be completely different characters like uh, uh, Sala and Marcus Brody bumbling idiots where they were awesome before. So I like that this movie feels uh, honest about that. Or, or I mean, I mean, uh, it, it's balanced, right? I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say there. Oh, dear. <laughs> now, let me ask you, Chris. Yes, Brandon. Do you think that Oscar is Peter's kid? Well, Brandon, really, all I can say about Oscar or the Deutschendorfer twins, shall I say, is that they are ugly. I think one of them is no longer with us. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) He didn't know. You didn't know. Baby ticklish. Boom, 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 boom. I play this every time I pick up a guitar and I go over to somebody's house. That's a cello. Boom, 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 boom. On a chimp. (laughs) So fan theory is -hmm. that the guy that Dana was with Mm -hmm. is uh, the dude from the first Ghostbusters that has a cold who comes out of the uh, opera or of the uh, uh, orchestra. Oh, you mean the guy that drives around the DSRV and Hunt for Red October? Yeah, and what else is he in? Oh, and he's he's a is he not the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop three? Uh, I think he might be. Yeah, yeah. That's what people like to think. Who's that, the stiff? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little myopic. I feel like he probably she could have been with anybody. I think maybe it was a conductor. Maybe it was Alexander Gudnov's character from the Money Pit. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, jeez, Louise. And instead, he became an international terrorist and started trying to rob. Yes! Oh, my gosh. That's why we don't see him, because he was busy robbing Nakatomi Plaza That's right. the on same... Christmas Eve. Holy shit! They're all the same universe. If yes. you guys didn't know that, you've heard it here first. The uh, Money Pit, Ghostbusters 2, and Die Hard are all shared. Uh, Reginald Bell Johnson. There, oh, my gosh! There you go. Although... Well, he was a cop in New York in 1984. Oh, that's right, because Dyer's L.A. And then he transferred to L.A. That's right. Which is kind of, you know, funny because, you know, you would think that he and John McClane would know one another since they were both cops in New York City. But, oh, Egon, your stool sample. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, you know what, especially in this movie, I feel like, Chris, you're a Ray. Well, I am the heart of Dead City Drive. Yeah. Look at all that snot. Ew, what an ugly baby. Well, you know, think about this, too, is that, you know, if, um, you know, if certain actors can get nominated for Oscars because their nose run, why did not little Hank Deutschendorfer get nominated for his performance? And he he plays a a character named Oscar, for Christ's sake. exactly. Because what's her face, you know, that got nominated for Les Miserables? Uh-huh. Uh, what about Russell Crowe for Gladiator? Did he have snot coming out of his nose? Are you kidding that me? That was like the whole movie was snot pouring mm. out of his nose. Best, maybe best line in the movie? Yeah, part of a slinky, but I straightened it. <laughs> That's very Egon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is a baby. He looks like he has rosacea. Like the kid has a drinking prop. He's got like gin blossoms <laughs> all over his face. I mean, do you think that's you know, 
fetal alcohol syndrome or something? Or well, he, well, it wouldn't be fetal alcohol syndrome. I think he gets it from his dad. Oh, it could be. Well, Bill Murray. Oh, ooh, well, he's Irish. Bill. If you're listening, then you know what I'm talking about. Your reckoning is ha- occurring. <laughs> oh, poor Lord, little man. man. I do think, I mean, I get the idea that they need to have a uh, another will they, won't they thing for the sequel. Yeah. But it, and I think it maybe it does make a little more sense. <laughs> maybe it is realistic that she would just get so sick of his bullshit <laughs> that they wouldn't be together. But that was like my favorite thing. I'd like, like to run some gynecological tests on the mother. Who wouldn't? The, uh, I loved in Ghostbusters Afterlife. That they're together, yeah, and they're they seem like a, a happy couple. Well, yeah, because she gets to shock. <laughs> yeah, I hope we get to. I hope we get to see a little more of that in the next one. Yeah. I doubt Bill Murray's going to be in oh, it. I if, doubt it. If too. not, maybe just a cameo. But I do want some Sigourney. Okay, we got some new Ghostbusters tech here, guys. Yeah. The Geiger counter. That thing. That always fucking drove me nuts that that was not a toy. With the Geiger meter? Now, they made one. Yeah, but they didn't release it? But it was it didn't look anything like it. Oh, that's lame. Very disappointing. Hey, that's spirit. Some, Some people, people hear, hear it. it. Some people fear it. Some people just won't go near it. Now, did you... At this point, I guess you were maybe a little older than I was. Were you still getting the toys? Um, you know that's that's an interesting question. I you know I I may still have had the toys. I you know I had a cousin that's actually like your age. Okay, you know, so he was about seven years younger than I was, and um, he was a huge real Ghostbusters fan. So basically there was a point where like I gifted all of my Ghostbusters toys to him <gasps> because I knew he would absolutely love them. Wow. So it's like, you know, I, I had, I had a lot of good stuff. I mean, I had Ecto one, I had Ecto two, I had all of the Ghostbusters. I had a bunch of the different ghosts. Didn't have the firehouse. No, um, but I still had, well, I mean, I was perfectly satisfied, you know, with what I had to be fair. The, the Ghostbusters firehouses, not the best toy. Yeah. <laughs> It's impressive looking, but there's very little yeah. <laughs> to do with it. It's kind of um, a disappointment. You know, and I did have a, I had a proton pack. Yeah. Yeah, one of the ones, the blue plastic ones with the yellow foam. Yep. And, uh... Now, do you remember, I don't, now... Oh, wait, the Easy Eagle. That in the Ghostbusters 2 toy, mm-hmm. that was the slime blower. They had a slime blower toy? Yeah. And uh-huh. it basically, it was a backpack. It was pink. Uh-huh. And it had a hose, and it had, like, a gun. And when you pressed a button, a big pink dildo came out of it. Just... A big pink dildo? Yeah. Instead of, instead of like, the, the proton pack was a yellow foam, like you said, that you put in the end of yeah. it and had to pretend like... Now, wait a second, though. Let me just stop you right yeah. there. Wasn't Vigo part of the team that was raiding Nakatomi Plaza? Oh, my God. He sure was. He sure was. Huh. Dude. Yeah, that sounds a lot like uh, Brewmeister Smith from Strange Brew. You ever seen Strange Brew? Yeah, a long time ago. 
All right, Chris, time to admit something. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 2 was a movie that came out around the same time my parents got divorced. Okay. They were in the process of kind of having their falling out. All right? Mm -hmm. I saw this movie smack dab in the middle of that. Okay. And in my house, there was a lot of stress and anxiety. And I was an only child, still am, uh, by blood. And uh, it was a very tense time in that household. I saw mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 2. Vigo, the character of Vigo, scared me so bad for some reason that I used to have dreams that he was in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that was what I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming because Vigo was alive in my bedroom, his face bulging out of the painting coming for me. And the thing is, is it wasn't so much normal Vigo... Yeah. But it was Demon Vigo. Demon Vigo. That huh? shit scared me so bad when I was a kid. The other thing that scared me in this movie are the severed heads. Oh, yeah. When they're in the subway tunnels? Yep. And the voice that says, Winston. Those are the scary moments in this movie for me. So when they happen and I hold your hand, just know that's, fine. that's all that it is, okay? That's fine. I, that's not I'm, all that I'm it is. I'm here for you. Okay. The phone lines are that actor. The phone lines are over there. Has made a career out of playing flustered New York blue collar workers. (laughs) You know, my wife watched this being filmed. Oh, she did. Yeah, she was still living in New York in '89, and she remembers actually watching them film Ghostbusters too, which is probably why it's her favorite. Do you know what she saw? I we she'd have to be the one to ask. I see. Yeah. I got to tell you, though, you know, this whole thing about the the New York pneumatic transit system in 1870 and everything, the whole idea of like subterranean, you know, city building on top of the city, building on top of the city, which is true of any kind of great city, you know, whether it's Rome or New York or Paris or London and everything, you know, you kind of just build on top of the shit that kind of came before. Totally fascinated me. And the whole idea of like the mole people, you know, what I'm talking about. Mm hmm. You know, uh, that there is this whole culture of individuals and people that live in these abandoned tunnels underneath New York City, which, you know, Clive Barker and my love for Clive Barker totally plays on that. Like the Midnight Meat Train is one of the stories that really deals with that kind of thing as well. Did you ever see that movie Deathline? Uh, that's that's London based. Yeah, but. No, I was gonna say because isn't it like isn't Peter Cushing and uh, no Christopher Lee's in that one? Yes, I think so. And then there's that final scene, yeah, where they're killing. The, yes, I have seen that movie. Actually, I think I watched it on Joe Bob one night. Oh, really? Yeah. What an asshole! Oh, I Janos. would. I oh, would. but the would. <laughs> How is you and the baby, 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 baby? You want me to come making? I mean, he's just—he's just Rick Moranis's character. Well, I mean, he—he's something a little sleazier. I know, but but, but it's like it's—he's functioning. It's the same exact yes. bother her outside of her apartment. Asks to come in. She closes the door on him. He never asks to come into Dana's apartment. He always just kind of comes out whenever he hears Dana. This, oh, that's this true. This freaked me out. No, he's, too. Oh, he- dude, this uh, the headlight eyes. This scared me too. 
Here, let me look at the fire alarm. Oh, yes. Yeah, this was scary. Uh, And here we go. The late, great Harris Eulen. Judge Wexler. Yes. Who put the Scolari brothers to death. Tried him for for murder. murder. Gave him the chair. And here we have our first. Yeah, poor Winston, man. Winston gets the sh- the shit end of the stick in this movie. He gets the shit end of the stick in every Ghostbusters. He should have been the focus. I I I cannot wait for this new one. I really hope that he is the main character. Well, I love the fact too that you know I guess they turned him into like he's a, a corporate mogul now. Yeah, and super rich, self made man. But did they? Still kind of go along with the same idea that he went ahead and got his PhD and is an expert in ghosts as well. They don't say that, but the uh, I have been replaying the old, not old, but like, I guess it was like 20, 2011 uh, Ghostbusters video game. Yeah, the video game, which kind of they said was an unofficial sequel. Yeah, which I still consider yeah. almost canon in a way, even though I guess you can't anymore. But like in that, I just got to the level where he talks about getting his PhD. So, yeah, it's funny that you yeah. mentioned that. Is that wait a second. Sitting in the front row of the witness or I'm sorry, in the in the gallery there, is is that Felix Silla? Where? The midget. Right next to the Con Ed guy. I don't know. <laughs> and look, I look, <laughs> he was responding to your you saying midget. That's short but pointless. <laughs> that doesn't seem like an Egon line. Yeah, well, you know. I don't know. This is the stuff they took from the truck. Yeah, see him sitting down there? Yeah, that's Felix Silla. Oh, I thought it was Deep Roy. Well, I, I kind of looked at it at first, thought it was like Deep Roy, but now I'm looking at his face and everything. Felix Silla, he was, uh, well, Cousin It was probably, you know, oh. the first thing that he did, but he was also Tweaky in Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Well, you know what? That brings me, that's a good point. Look at e, uh, Ernie Hudson sitting next to him. Okay, that makes me think maybe he had something to do in the movie. Oh, I'm sure. They usually do that when they ever have, like, you know, a, a suit performer, which I'm sure he's probably playing, you know, one of the ghosts somehow. Wipe. Now, since we mentioned that, we should talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. This movie was a troubled production. Okay. They shot the movie. They cut a lot from the movie and reshot a bunch of stuff. Initially, it was a little more intense, a little scarier, and the studio forced them to include other things in the movie. Like Ewoks? <laughs> the most probably infamous uh, thing that was cut from the movie is the uh, there was a uh, subway ghost. It was a giant frog monster. Mm-hmm. That comes out of the subway tunnel and tries to eat a subway car. They cool. went, they built it, they filmed it, and then they cut it. Somewhere there is a ton of Ghostbusters two footage floating around—no pun intended—with um, all of the cut ghost stuff. There was so much that they did, hmm. and they just pulled it all out, and it it kills me. I think Ivan Reitman said something about it not being scary enough, but I don't really believe him when he says that. I think yeah. the the movie's not scary, so no. I think it was maybe too intense. Or 
the th- oh, the thing is, is ILM was swamped this year when they were making this. Oh, well, of course. And they kept adding VFX shots to this movie, and ILM, the people at ILM were going fucking batshit crazy. Um, I said shit at the same time Peter said shit. Yeah, sometimes shit happens, and who are you going to call? He sentenced them as that. He, sorry, I just had a stroke. <laughs> he sentences them for a very long time to Rikers Island here. Yeah. Mm. Oh, never mind. Eighteen months. Well, still a year and a half, man. I love that they bring back the wind blowing. Yeah, exactly. Every time there's psychokinetic energy occurring. I think this is a well-cut sequence. And and maybe the... And have you burned at the stake? I love these characters. Well, I like how the ghosts are always stylized. Yeah, me too, dude. I, me too. That's why it, I, I call bullshit when Reitman says something like, it's not scary enough or whatever. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? This shot here of uh, the Scolari brother is terrifying, his face. Oh, he's scary. Don't talk to me. Talk to my attorney. Look at Egon in the background. I don't know about that line. You can tell this that line actress, is written. She's married to another performer, and I think she died. She died a while ago. Yeah. Janet Margolin is her name. She was like really like she was best friends with Margot Kidder, and there are fun stories about her and Margot Kidder hanging out on the beach at a. Uh, 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 Venice Beach mm-hmm. with Spielberg and Milius and De Palma oh boy. and they would just be completely naked just like nude uh, sunbathing and Spielberg would always get really uncomfortable because Janet Marlin had her top off all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> but who, who is she married to she was married to somebody recognizable I don't know I'm not sure power cells have a half life of 5,000 years <laughs> that means they last for 10,000 years well, is that the power cells will degrade by 50% every 5,000 years. Well, I didn't major in math. It's not math, man. It's science. I told you. I didn't major in math. Mm-hmm. Do-re-egon. Adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adorable. I guess Egon gets to be a little bit of a... He has a little more fun in this movie. He does have a little more fun in this movie. He's he's loosened up a little bit, probably because of all the tail he's getting. Now, did you have a favorite Ghostbuster? Ray. It was Ray. Ray has always been my favorite. Thanks for asking. Mine was Egon growing up. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm busting your balls. Now, as an adult, though... 
It's Winston. Yeah. I love Winston. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I love Ernie Hudson. It could be that I love Ernie Hudson. Because I also, when I say I love Congo, I'm pretty sure I'm saying I love Ernie Hudson. <laughs> well, how can you not love Ernie Hudson? I mean, Ernie Hudson, I'll admit, the first time I ever saw Ernie Hudson was in Ghostbusters. Yeah, same here. But from that point forward, every other movie that I started to see Ernie Hudson in, I was like, he's usually the best thing in that fucking movie. Like, what? I just saw a, him in something. Well, didn't we just go back and rewatch uh, Leviathan? I guess it was Leviathan. You're you know, right. It, it was, was Leviathan. Leviathan. But it also, he's great in The Crow. And there's, of course, you know, as you said, Congo. And then uh, Oz. What's that movie where he gets uh, handcuffed to uh, another guy, a white dude? Did you ever see that? What? I thought that was Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. It was kind of like a remake of that. Oh. We be fast, and they, they be, be slow. slow. Wow! Uh, every time a Lifesavers commercial aired, it ended and it would cut to this. I have like a Pavlovian response. Mm-hmm. This was like the trailer. Like, or this was a, uh, that was a TV spot as it started with them coming out saying that. Annie Potts. She breaks the fourth wall, huh? Okay. I got a question for you. Something's wrong. Why is the, the Ghostbusters room? logo is the in the movie two. a two? I well, because branding. <laughs> it's all I understand the branding. updates to the Ecto. Yeah, I understand polishing the sign. Maybe it's just saying peace. Okay, we bring you peace. <laughs> If your house is full of poltergeists and you're not getting any sleep, when the Ghostbusters come, they bring you peace. Okay. Like he takes his fucking pulse. By the way, <laughs> yeah, he does. Originally, they fil- this was a skeleton, like yeah. a zombie skeleton running. They filmed it, and then they redid it. Yeah. Let me see the zombie Bye-bye. skeleton, and Ivan. Zombie skeletons. Hmm. I'm trying to think. There was... You know, once again, the, the summer of 1989, there was a fast food restaurant. I can't remember which one it was that had a tie-in deal. I think it was Hardee's. It was Hardee's. That had the tie-in yes. deal with Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. And they had the little fucking noisemaker things that they would have. Yep. Which were the most annoying goddamn things in the world. It was like a Ghostbusters logo on this little kind of like, you know, bar contraption that had two buttons on it. And of course it made the same noise, whichever button you pressed, but it was just like weird kind of electronic chirping thing. Good old Hardee's. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on there. There's a scene that's, there's another deleted scene, by the way. Poltergeist, man. But what about the lasers? Yeah. I don't like the redesign on Onion Head. I don't either. Dude, I, I am not a fan of Slimer in this, the way he looks. I'm with you. And ya. so Steve Johnson wasn't working on this at all? Was it all ILM? No, I forget who. Yeah, I think it was ILM did the sculpting on that, too. Damn. Uh, yeah. Half price. Um, also, I love the uh, those charcoal gray ghostbusters uniforms yeah i do too are they gray i thought they were green is it well i'm colorblind so i can't so am i i think it's like a like a like a gray like a 
Well, there it is. I guess it is kind of a green. I don't know. Fuck if I know. Yeah, I liked the darker uniforms. It looks so cool. Yeah. I'd love to see them in the cartoon uniforms once. Oh, yeah? Just once. I'd like to see Egon blonde with a rat tail. (laughs) I think Egon was my favorite because of the cartoon. Because in the cartoon, he's like, he is the leader. Yeah. He's a real take charge guy. He's very funny, very dry funny. I feel like this movie is informed by the cartoon. Maurice LaMarche. Yeah. Although I always preferred the Lorenzo music Peter Vankman to the Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier, yeah. And of course, Arsenio Hall. And then it was Buster Jones after Arsenio. And what was it? It was Frank Welker that did Ray, right? Yeah, and he sounds like Frank Welker. (laughs) He sounds like Fred from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and Slimer. Frank Welker is one of those actors, like, all of his voices sound exactly the same to me. Pretty much, yeah. You can always pick out Frank Welker. Especially when he does his weird monster creatures. Like, they're all the same, you know? So, in the first movie, we get a ghost blowjob, and in this movie, we get Egon Egon's fucking, fucking slime. <laughs> well, he does have a collection of spores, molds, and fungus. Oh, my God. Is that why he collects? Because <laughs> he's fucking him. <laughs> <laughs> that's two things that you've said today that have blown my mind about ghostbusters too. that's why i'm here brother that's the, why i'm here the first one is uh chris texted me this morning uh because we were both very excited to watch this movie yeah and chris texted me this morning with uh the lyrics to bobby brown's song on our own <laughs> and he goes he typed in too hot to handle too cold to hold they call the ghostbusters and they're in control and then i responded back Hadn't thrown a party for a bunch of children while all the while Slimer's haunting the building, mm-hmm. which is what I assumed that the lyrics were to the song yep. for fucking 30 years <laughs> or whatever it's been. 30, Chris, 33 years. Chris texts me like an hour later mm-hmm. <laughs> with, no, maybe not that long, like almost right away, I think, with, uh, oh, I thought the lyric was all the while Slime is under the building. And I almost dropped the phone. I was my, and I went, <laughs> of course that's what the fucking lyric is. What was I thinking? All these years, it makes sense. Well, I mean, that's that's the plot of the movie, dude. Real, I'm sorry, this is the best line in the movie to me, actually. My second Two of my favorite, favorite shows. What was the other one? fishing show <laughs> i know <Bassett. laughs> and of course dan Aykroyd used to schlock the bassomatic oh that's right mm, that's good bass Ooh, oh that my is fucking scary that is scary on a big screen like we're watching what, it what right is his now? name wilhelm von homburg yes who also was a very difficult actor apparently yeah. a real work of well, art he was yeah he probably yeah. was have you ever heard? Have you ever seen the behind-the-scenes footage of his actual voice saying it? No, it's saying creepy. I am Vigo. No, it's like creepy. It sounds like a weird drunk German dude that yeah. you can't or Dutch guy that you can't understand. So what do they do? They get Max von Sydow to come in and I used to wear those things all the time when I worked at the jewelry store. Did people come up to you and say, "Nice to see you, pretty eyes"? I do mix quite a cocktail. No, they never used to say that to people. 
when uh, he shakes his hand, I love how he <laughs> holds it and then how Bill Murray takes it away and wipes it. <laughs> Just disgusted with him. The noon romantic with the Duran Duran <laughs> and the Adam Ant. Who's a very powerful magician. Okay. So I love the slight fisheye lens that they use there whenever they do the view from the painting's perspective. Yeah, they go really wide with it, so there's yeah. a little bit of distortion. It's an anamorphic lens, um, but they they put a especially wide lens on that one. Yeah. Um, now, the original design for Vigo was a lot different than what this is. Originally, yeah. he was a uh, more like a what you would imagine like a a classic wizard to look like. He had yeah. a long beard that was like feet long mm-hmm. that tapered off but was black and he had long hair and he wore these big robes and he originally uh, is conjured up or appears in uh, Central Park and shows up in spectral form in Central Park mm-hmm. as a very terrifying ghostly wizard visage that yeah. then disappears or something like that. Production art is beautiful. It's one of those things that I'm always like, man. I... It's like Jaws two, or even Jaws three. I, I kind of like the look of Vigo in this, though. I do too. I that, just, you know, he's kind of a despot. You know, I mean, when you yeah. have when you have like a Attila the Hun or a Genghis Khan, but that person who's not only a fantastic warrior, but is also like a master of the dark arts, you know, it's kind of like a Doctor Doom sort of thing, you know, and that's why I kind of dig this iteration. He's more powerful looking immediately as opposed to... Some mamby-pamby, bookish, you know, nebbish little old fart. Yeah, I get you. I'm with you. I just, it's... Oh, jizz in the tub. The, one of the best, I don't know, I would love to be able to go into a world where we could oh, watch Sigourney Weaver took a shirt off. alternate versions of movies that still would be like the, the, that would be a heaven. Yeah. You know, you could see the Toby Hooper version of Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. You could see the original, the John Hancock cut of Jaws 2. You could see the deleted footage from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. I would just, I, I, that would be so cool. And now we get to see Peter Venkman's apartment. I love that he's just asleep on the couch, face down. <laughs> Again, I feel like maybe we lost a scene. A scene was cut. Yeah. How much do you think this fucking apartment Well, costs? think about it. She comes over here in the coat. The baby is still naked inside of her coat. And she's out on the streets of New York City in December. Oof. She must have been afraid of that bathtub. Exactly. I mean, that that, that tells you something. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that it quite pays off. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's something missing there. Yeah. Here's this music that I can't stand. Cutesy romance bullshit. Yeah. Ugh. And if you guys listen closely, you can hear... The musical stylings of an instrumental Oingo Boingo song. Over time, I have come to feel. 
I love that they're listening to Oingo Boingo. Yeah. That was another thing that kind of blew my mind, you know, because I had both the soundtracks for Ghostbusters 2 and for Batman. Ooh, okay. And I'm like, Danny Elfman? But I knew who Danny Elfman was because I was a huge fan of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and I was a fan of Beetlejuice as well. So it's like I knew who Danny Elfman was. And I think that might have been kind of like, you know, really when I started to take a lot of interest in musical scores and soundtracks and things that are um, attached to same the movies. thing same exact thing because man. you know i i love film music i mean i could sit and listen to film music all day long in the way that other people listen to symphonies because really i think it is our modern equivalent to a you know to a classical composition that was you know commissioned by some you know, benefactor in, in like the Medici's or whatever. Yeah. I'm with you. I agree. And, and didn't he offer like the, to let the kid watch Laura Antonelli movies and stuff? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so basically you're going to watch some like highbrow European porn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, another joke I didn't get. Okay. Would you say that there's a, uh, <sighs> This score. Is there a an underrated composer, in your opinion? And if you say Randy Edelman, I'll fucking... That we're done. This podcast is done. No. Underrated. Um... That doesn't get the recognition they deserve. I, you know, I don't know. Or how everybody's about a, how, how everybody's about a, had their, their day in the sun, you know? How about a score? That doesn't get enough credit. Hmm. Think about it. Think about it and get back to me. Well, you know, I can no, I can throw something out right now, um, which some people may think is sacrilege. Um, either Jaws or Star Wars are John Williams' best recognized scores. I still think his score for Superman is his best. Okay, I don't. I don't think that that's too out there. Jack Holloway and I, you know, had a huge debate about this one time, and it was fun. I mean, I I always enjoyed debating that, but I I still think that uh, that John Williams had a more difficult job to do writing a score for Superman because there was already an established idea of who Superman was and how he sounded and how the music was. I mean, you know, there were films, there were cartoons, there was a television series that really kind of established, you know, musically who this character was. And I think John Williams took those things, ran with it, and then reestablished who Superman was. Because seriously, if you start to hum, you know... What's the music to Superman? And anybody that knows will start humming you John Williams' score. I mean, I think he rebranded Superman in a way that was so good that there were certain directors that said, you want to know something? I'm going to reuse this John Williams score because you don't get better than that. Even John Williams is like, I'm going to reuse my score. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's no James Horner when it comes to reusing scores. That's true. That's very true. But John James Horner did have an Academy Award, so. Hot? 
there's another some other new Ghostbusters tech in this movie that Ray has this weird uh, flask. Oh yeah, the thing that spectrometer turns and spins. Yeah, I think that's what they call it later on. Cool, cool thing. A cool piece that again, there's no explanation as to what it does. Now earlier, you it's m- technical. It's one of our little toys. You may have noticed earlier uh, that uh, during the montage, Ray runs a red light, and everybody acts really strange inside the Ecto One. Did you? Is that because he was possessed by the spirit of Vigo? Right. So there's a reshuffling of scenes. Ooh, tingly, tingly, and of course, this is the typical Dan Aykroyd possessed face. <laughs> Well, go back and watch 1941, and he makes the same fucking face in that movie, too, so. <laughs> There's another weird invention And he thing makes right that there. face in, uh, in Spies Like Us, too. What's Winston holding? Uh, it looks like a spatula and a strainer from a martini shaker. Yep. Which I guess is their homage to the colander from Ghostbusters 1. Oh, yeah. Okay, good call. Good call. Using kitchens, kitchen wares. Oh, my God. She cleaned. It's actually a really nice pad. How much do you think that that goes for? No in, kidding, in dude. Manhattan? I mean, that's got to be like a, you know, that's like nine grand a month. Easy. He's got the old newspaper photo, uh, newspaper of them over yeah. the, across the streams. Spooks in Chinatown. Oh, that's, yeah. But it is a still from them crossing the streams. <laughs> like the idea that there was somebody there taking a picture. <laughs> He's got a turtle back there. Some really weird shit. There's oh, a Ouija look, board. The, the actual torch of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Dude, you know why that's fucking weird? Why is that weird? Because in the first Ghostbusters, Dana has a, a statue that looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man's hand in her apartment. Really? You think it's a hearkening back? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I think it's different production designers on the movies. I think is the first Ghostbusters John Lloyd. Does that sound right, or is it Norman Reynolds? Norman Reynolds is Star Wars. Honestly, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm a waste. She's pretty good with kids. <laughs> Here. See, just hang this out the window for five minutes. <laughs> many subtle levels. What is that boat? I was like, is that the orca? <laughs> uh, there's just like, 
the idea that a you know a production designer's job is to make things um you know the setting tell the the, the story yeah a little bit of of the character tell the, who the characters are um <laughs> so in peters it's really tough to get a handle on it there we are there's tribeca good old tribeca have you ever made your uh, your pilgrimage yeah. to the Latter Eight House? Yeah, of course. I was uh, I was up in New York. My theater company was doing a show in Manhattan, and uh, the theater itself was the kind of Chelsea Tribeca area and everything. Mm-hmm. And we were going to be going to a restaurant that was a little bit further uh, east in the city, but it was almost a straight shot right across that I was walking across lower Manhattan. And so I made a point to kind of just during my travails, let me go ahead and walk by it. And I, you know, kind of stood there for a while and kind of took it all in and then uh, kept on walking. But yeah. Did you get to like peek your head in? No, I didn't go inside. Um, Inside they had, when I went at the time, you, if you looked in, they had the actual Ghostbusters 2 sign from this movie up, it hanging inside the, yeah. the the firehouse. No, too spicy. <laughs> Chicago. Oh, that's it. Okay, I guess I got that wrong when I did the other. All right. This also kind of scared me, and this is along the lines of like my... What the hell is that? The idea that they took a picture of something, and then when they look at it, it's something completely different. Yeah. Running it through the spectro analyzer or whatever they call it. Yeah. That's the river of slime. Ew, like his face there is terrifying. Whatever that is, that image is awful. Yeah. Ew, God, it is scary. Ivan? Ivan? Why is there a lock on the outside Ivan. of that door? <laughs> Why does he have to do that? Why doesn't he just open it up from the outside? Because it's more dramatic. And you can tell that it's just a piece of Luan with a couple of one yeah, by some, fours on balsa there. Wood. Just <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is Ernie Hudson could have broken through a real solid oak door if he wanted to. With his dick. <laughs> and the thing is, like he wouldn't even have to whip it out. He would just kind of look at it and like the door would know. <laughs> the door would know, and it'd be like, I'm just going to fall down, Ernie. So this is a reshot sequence. Originally, they show up at his house, his apartment, mm-hmm. and ask him. It's basically the same exact dialogue, uh, but it happens... Let's do it on the street instead. Yeah, they mm-hmm. reshot it. It happens as, like, in the scene that we just saw earlier, where she's in her towel. They yeah. see her in their towel, and they're like, oh, excuse us. Mm-hmm. But it's exact same dialogue, exact same scene, just different setting. Not sure why. Not sure why they reshot it. Because honestly, I think I kind of like it better on the street, man. I mean, Ghostbusters has always been, because I'm a native Floridian, okay? I didn't go to New York City for the first time until I was in my 20s. Same here. And you want, my, my concept of New York was... Primarily <laughs> Sorry, based, I love, yeah, I mean, scream. <laughs> yeah, but primarily based upon what I saw in Ghostbusters, and then later on a few other you know movies that kind of added to my feel for New York. But you know, Ghostbusters is a New York movie. Yep, absolutely. 
biggest beavers. Um, I want to talk about something real quick because the, the them screaming and then them getting freaked out here is funny. There's not enough Ghostbusters being scared in in any of the movies. Like they have a fucking tube running from their dicks into the, some chamber somewhere for when they get scared and they pee their pants. That's what that clear That's tube that is. Tube yes! <laughs> they never explained that. So the idea that they're always getting scared, the first time they see a ghost, they like you know, fucking I always freak out. Here, here we go. Here's something that kind of blows my mind. I have noticed that tube since 1984. Oh, here we go, Brandon. Oh! These are all leftover props from Poltergeist. They are. Uh, they borrowed them from somebody. I forget who the makeup effects artist was at the last second. Yeah, this is a whole reshot sequence. But so, what blew your mind? But, uh, seriously, I had always wondered why, why do they have those? You know those those plastic tubes that are kind of hanging from. And you're telling me now it's because <laughs> they thought ahead, knowing that they were probably going to piss themselves yes. Yes. at some point. Yes, and of course that never gets explained. No, nope. that's that's that wonderful attention to detail. That's an art that director helps you joke. Kind of flesh out your character. Yes, but you never let the audience know. Nope. I just I love the idea that they are scaredy cats, <laughs> you know, because the ghosts are jumping out at them. Why wouldn't you be scared? It would be well, terrifying. You know, it's it's fine. You can be scared, but you still get the job done. That's right. And our boys, man, they still have a job to do. They try to battle my boys. That's, That's not, not legal. legal. Ow! Ah! I love this visual ghost train. And it's such a, um, that's such a Dan Aykroyd joke. Like this old train, the old, just like you were saying earlier about the underground city. Yeah. You know, everything he writes is based in some kind of weird reality. Sorry. I missed it. <laughs> Actually, you know, uh, what do you think of Ernie's Jerry Curl in this movie? Well, I think he had it there because he was scared. His hair popped up. Oh, okay. He doesn't have it the rest of the movie. I do miss his mustache. Yeah. I like Ernie with the muds. I, I like Winston with the mustache. Come on, you asshole. Oh, sorry. You got to get the Canadian in there. <laughs> oh, sorry. It is strange that they didn't bring any weapons with them. Dan, Dan Ray just looks thrilled. He's so excited to be there. See? Well, wouldn't you kind of be excited? I mean, yeah. yes, I mean, excitement can include fear. Yeah. <laughs> hey, New York. What a town. What a commentary on New York. <laughs> well, especially when the mayor goes through and they try to explain to him that, you know, the negative feelings. To treat your other fellow human being like dirt is every, every New Yorker's God-given God right. right. <laughs> <laughs> your two minutes are up. Yep. Oh, shit. I'd do it. If yeah. it was you, I'd do it. 
I'd do it for you too, man. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, Dan Aykroyd and Slimer come in and say, how much for your daughter? <laughs> it's kind of... How much for your wife? It's kind of the same scene, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Boy, he just gulps that yeah. wine, doesn't he? Holy shit. We will come here for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Does he say that? In Blues Brothers. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Come on, Brandon. You're with me, man. You're a Landis fan. Are you kidding me? Blues Brothers is great. I didn't... I just had to switch brain tracks. Did you leave skid marks? <laughs> That's a double entendre. Why don't I give you a jingle right now? Okay, how do you feel about the the fan shipping of <laughs> getting uh, her away from Egon and into Lewis? Uh, I don't know. I, I I was all right with it in '89. <laughs> yeah, me too. But this is the on- this is the I guess the only character is Janine that is like markedly different from who she was in the first one and not just the way she used to have a roommate but my mom moved to florida (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like the fact that janine's turned into a horn dog (laughs) (laughs) sure but it just doesn't i don't know i mean the hair the glasses are different but hey at least it's annie potts you think that's a wig (laughs) probably Tonight? <laughs> this- Besides, man, I mean, Egon's getting all them college girls. Yeah, right. You're right. <laughs> this scene, it looks so fucking cold. Well, yeah. I mean, look at all the steam coming off of them. And coming out of their mouth. Like, they just... Yeah. It, this must have been awful to film. They're covered in wet, it, like, miserable take after take, I'm Can sure. Can we please just warm the slime up before we get dumped on her? Ugh. You guys are still covered in slime. Well, whatever. I guess the point is there. Ghost Bukaki. <laughs> <laughs> All the while, the slime is under the building, man. Slimer's hunting the building. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Who's that actor that plays the maitre d'? I think that's Chip Whipley. Chip Whipley? Okay. There is somebody here in the cameo, right? Like that woman, that blonde woman, I think, is somebody. Um, I feel like there is like a cameo. Isn't in this she scene. the one that gets the jizz in her face? Yeah. Is it like a, a Trump? 
Is it Melania? Not Melania. Not Melania. What's the other one? uh, Ivana. You can never go back there again. Nope. There they are. Now, in the first Ghostbusters, what was the song that was used in this moment happened? Um, because don't wait. Do they get in trouble in the first? Oh yeah, your mother. Oh, it's uh, it's magic. Yeah, magic happens. Uh, well, the, just yeah. that. Hey, there's Bobby Brown. The breakdown of magic. Mm-hmm. Not the first half of the song that does. That's yeah. like really terrible and yeah. still kind of awesome. Tell that to Toys R Us. (laughs) (laughs) His his belt's off. (laughs) Look how mused she is, though. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Getting a French bread pizza. <laughs> Passed right out. Okay. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver, she's so great. I love Sigourney. Mm-hmm. Sigourney, will you come hang out with us? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, man. I'd love to hang out with Sigourney. She's done some great genre cred. I mean, she's got man. tons of genre cred. As much as I hate to do it, I got to give Ridley Scott some credit for discovering her. I mean, he made that decision that he would find a star to play the role of Ripley, and he did. He mm-hmm. held out until he cast the best woman ever. I love that Dan Eckert has a line here where he goes, almost 50% 50%. of them. That is one (laughs) fucking person (laughs) in that room. (laughs) He's got a fucking cigar. Yep. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, Kurt Fuller is no William Atherton. He, he doesn't. No, no. There's no, I mean, he doesn't have quite the same smarminess. And he doesn't have the same arc. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. It doesn't. You know, he's barely in the movie. And what is the magic word, Mr. Beckman? Please. <laughs> May I please see the storage facility? Why would you want to see the storage facility, please? Because I want to know more about what it is that you do here. Frankly, there have been a lot of wild stories in the media, and we want to assess. (laughs) And that number's almost doubled. Really? Yeah. All right. 
Well, I mean, it has been 33 years. I don't know, man. Uh, again, here's another flaw with the movie. Why? Why isn't he listening to them? Well, for the same reason that, you know, it's kind of like, did everybody forget about the giant marshmallow I, man I, that walked through the cities? Yeah. Or did everybody, and how did everybody just completely forget about what happened between this and the first movie and Afterlife? <laughs> Yeah, that's pushing it in part in afterlife, isn't it? It's got to be done. Now, there's another deleted scene in this movie where uh, the reason they're able to get out of the mental institution, <laughs> of course, Brian Doyle Murray, uh, Lewis Tully's cousin, works at the mental institution. Oh, and is played by Eugene Levy. There's an entire scene oh, with Rick Moranis and Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy. Oh, trying shit. to get them out of the institution. When do we get to see that? I don't know. It's scourge. I've already heard these. Come. Oh my God, Chris! I have to take a piss, Busters. Do you think you can uh, take the take control of the wheel for a minute while I go away? Yeah, basically all that slime moving around has really kind of loosened the the uh, the seal there. That's exactly it. Ah, Max von Sydow. Every time I see uh, Vigo, I have to go jerk off. Oh. <laughs> Peter McNichol doing his Janusz Poha. <laughs> Playing with the candles. So be it. So he's cutting deals so he can hook up with the baby's mother. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Nice little pirouette there. Yep. And they're still sticking around, eating popcorn, watching movies, and poor Dana. Huh. Now, this particular scene creeped me out, too. Ghost Janosch? Well, yes, Ghost Janosch as the nanny. I mean, there's a certain kind of... uh, you know, Wizard of Oz reference, I think, you know, with this, it's almost got the... There's a completely... Uh, there were like 20 other designs for the ghost nanny before yeah. they decided to make it Janosch. It was like a, a hideous, like, troll monster. Yeah. That was, a, again, a last-minute decision was to make it Janosch. I think it's pretty decent. <clears throat> You know, putting a baby in peril, too, though, is a very simple, easy way to elicit an audience reaction. Sure. Stand. It's oh, like, this Jesus. music sucks. Um, like, there's no fear. It's just, it's like, it's, it's more like the score to Jaws the Revenge. Just these, like, <laughs> chimes and bells. 
was gonna say, didn't he do the score, the score for Jaws? No, that was, it's Michael Small. Oh, um, but they're not dissimilar. They're actually very, they're very similar scores. Hey, look, it's the Twin Towers. Oh, too soon. <laughs> what? Just talking about them? <laughs> it's like you made it a mean joke or something. You just pointed them out. But they do. They're trying to evoke the Wizard of Oz here at Margaret Hamilton. Sure. That is it's scary. It's fucking evil. That's Ooh. scary. <clears throat> that clap of thunder. Okay, so somewhere, and I, I found it online, and I don't know where it was. It would take me some digging, but I found the... Uh, and early draft of this film the screenplay mm-hmm. and it's fuck i wish I, I i need to find it so i can send it to you so you can read it yeah it is if they had just it's very similar to the final movie but there are things that are tied up like loose ends plot threads things that all make a lot more sense uh story-wise uh character-wise that it's again it's one of the scripts that when i read it and this was recently i think i read it like five years ago i found a copy mm-hmm. of it read it and i was like fuck this is the fucking movie they should have made this is the movie it's it's it kills me that uh, it doesn't kill me look i still love the movie there's a time period where i said that van horn this was daryl van horn i preferred this movie to the first movie when i was younger yeah there's yeah. that shot there it is yep. dude I mean, it's great with all the paper flowing around and everything, too. And, you know, you're getting all that cyclonic action. It's like American Beauty only wishes it could do this. <laughs> Plastic bags and floating and shit. But, I mean, here's the other thing, too, is, like, there's a certain intensity. Like, this is post-Ripley Aliens, you know, so we know what a badass Sigourney Weaver can be. And yet Dana Barrett, you know, she's no chump. You know, she's... I don't want to say much more feminine because, you know, I don't really, it's not a matter of her femininity. Um, well, it is a different character. Yeah, well, a totally different character and everything. She but, like, is a little more delicate. I think Her sensibilities are a little more refined yeah. and delicate, whereas an alien. But she still has, more I mean, you know, here, we have, here we do have, you know, a mother protecting her child, yes. a mother trying to protect her child. So there's the intensity that's there. She is fearless. And that's that's like, the beauty of Sigourney Weaver as an actress, too, is that, you know, you've got two different embodiments but i mean that, that's the other thing about movie stars though is that there's something about the persona that you know really kind of gets layered on top of the character as opposed to the character you know kind of coming from, I, you know, I don't know i, I, I do know, know what you're it. saying man I, I get it exactly i mean and i mean that's that's uh, that's definitely a a compliment to, the, to sigourney weaver's skill as an actress well sigourney weaver in real life is not a badass as she would be very quick to yeah. explain She's a very uh, feminine woman. She does not like guns or weapons. She doesn't like to fight any of that kind of stuff. She's just a, a she's a beautiful woman. Yes, but there is a certain gravitas that she yes, has dude. that she brings to every role. She has even a in presence. this one, this, as you said, is is more delicate. You know, a character Dana Barrett as opposed to Ellen Ripley is yes, definitely Dana Barrett. More... Dana Barrett is a cellist and an art restoration. Mm-hmm. You know, art restorer. Uh, Ripley is a is a blue collar trucker, yeah, a, tr- a space trucker. <laughs> so, like, 
but that's what god damn that's what Sigourney Weaver is so great is just being able to do that to do mm-hmm. those different roles and have a it's a subtle difference man but yeah. it's still a difference and it makes her I don't know. It's I love I love Sigourney. Sigourney Weaver was my introduction. I think aside from my own mother, Cannibal Girls. There we go. Starring Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Ivan Reitman's first and film. Andrea Martin. Yep, uh, Canadian uh, yes. horror film that is not good. And then in the background, they came from within. Yep, which is uh, David Cronenberg and Ivan Reitman produced. Um, this is a leftover gag from the first movie. Yep. And then we have Glenn Fry. Notice I like that you song. never actually see this actress, though. No, you do. She looks a lot like Jackie Joseph. I want to know why. Anyway, what I was saying, Chris, is that has gone flip city. Um, you say it's untrue. What can I do? Huh? They've gone flip city. Hey, wait a second. Isn't that from Star Wars? It and does, the Dejeric table. That is a Phil Tippett animated yeah. animation. I, I love the Cheech Marin cameo here. By the way, this is another thing that the Ghostbusters Afterlife does incorrectly. There's a montage of panic, but mm-hmm. there's only two ghosts seen. Yeah. It's a zombie miner, mm-hmm. and then it's like a... a Eating at a lunch oh, counter, though, right? Yeah. Getting coffee poured in its cup, and then a uh, there's Ben Stein back there, and there's yep. uh, the late uh, Philip Baker Philip Hall. Philip Baker Hall, yep. There he is. There's Ben. We tried everything. A little improv from Ben Stein. Well, Mayor, you you should have listened to the fucking Ghostbusters seriously. Now, have have I asked you this before? Have you ever read the uh, the comic book series that um, IDW did? Yes, that comic is fucking incredible, mm-hmm. and you cannot find it anywhere. I have it. You have? What do you have? The omnibus? No, I don't have the omnibus. I have I have several collections. I, I of it, used but... to be like a big supporter of Comicsology back in the day, mm-hmm. so I actually have the digital comics. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool, dude. Yeah. So I'll have to recharge my iPad because yeah, when uh, when Comicsology switched over and Amazon bought them out and everything, or maybe they split from me. I'm trying to remember what the, the situation was too. Like, I have to maintain that because there's no way that I can get all those comics that I bought back if I ever wipe that iPad. Yeah, you guys saw it in the first Ghostbusters. So who do you think is more powerful, Gozer or Vigo? Because, I mean, you know, Vigo's a... Sorcerer. Sorcerer. Gozer is a god. A demigod. And the way that Gozer is described uh, by by Ray is uh, kind of like a lower level demigod. Yeah. Somebody who got too big for their britches. Yeah. So I don't think Gozer is actually as powerful as people want them want it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think Gozer just happened to come at the right time in the right place. Uh, Gozer came at the right time in the right place? Yeah. 
Where and and unfortunately, well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Gozer came at the wrong time because it was beaten by these four just jerk offs. <laughs> Did you just call our heroes dipshits? <laughs> Uh, when this movie came out, there was a promo for that uh, that I remember running where you could win the Ecto One A. Yeah, do you remember that at all? No, I don't, dude. The the merchandising for Ghostbusters Two was fucking insane. I remember uh, there was Cookie Crisp uh, cereal, Crisp. and that had a uh, I want to say it came with a record. Really. Um, there was a send away that I used to have. I don't have it anymore, but you sent away and you would get a, uh, a trucker hat that was blue with a white puffy front with mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters 2 logo. I had that when I was a kid. There was a whole new thing of toys. They made a Lewis Tully action figure. Hmm. Uh, the, it was the All slimed. decked out in the, in the gear. He was in a yellow jumpsuit. It was the slimed heroes line ah. where you sprayed them with water and slime appeared on their outfits. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that was a cool. And that was one of the last, that was like the second to last wave of figures that were pushed out for Ghostbusters. Um, no Vigo toy. Nothing like that. One of my favorite things is the Easter egg that's in the Ghostbusters game. Which one? The 2011 game? Yeah. What? What is it? And actually, was it 2011 or was it I, 2009? I think it's 2011, but I, I don't know. I really don't remember the year. I think it's 2009. Okay. Um, when you go down to the basement of the firehouse, down to where the containment unit is... They keep Vigo's portrait. Oh, he's in the, in the no, basement. he's in the front on on the ground level. He's right. He's like. Which system were you playing it on? Xbox. Okay, that's why. Oh, is it on Xbox the... system? And I had it on Wii. And oh, the Wii, Wii, which was a little more cartoony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, that's right. So Vigo is actually located in the basement. But I love you can go and interact with him, and, and he'll talk to you. Yeah, and give exactly. You dumb he's, advice, you're it in, like in the the shit, <laughs> and the fact that they got Max von Sydow to do the voice and record. Wait, is it? Yes, it's totally Max von Sydow. He recorded additional dialogue. Oh, I didn't know for that. the movie. I didn't think it was him. Yeah. William Atherton recorded more dialogue for the game. Is it William Atherton? Yeah. I, and I wasn't 100% on that either. I was. Yeah. Uh, it's is it Al- Alyssa Milano? Alyssa Milano. Basically, all four of the Ghostbusters came back and did it. William Atherton came back and yeah. did it. Um, I'm trying to remember, though. Who Annie was, Potts. Annie Potts, yeah. But who was the voice for Evo Shandor in that? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. Really? I mean, I'm I'm playing it right now. I bought the remastered version. Oh, okay. And I'm playing. Yeah, it right I now. I mean, I beat it on Wii years ago, um, and I really enjoyed the shit out of the game. Now, have uh, you have you do you know about the new game that just came out, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed? No, it's from the same company, Ilphonic, the same guys that did the Friday the Thirteenth game, mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun. If you got it, did you ever get a chance to play that? Mm-mm. Nope, never. that was a lot of fun. Uh, that. Can I say something? Yeah, of course you can. When I was a teacher, we took a trip to New York, and we went to Liberty Island. And, of course, I shot a video of myself standing at the foot of the Statue of Liberty saying, I know what you're thinking. (laughs) She naked underneath that toga? She's French. You know that, right? (laughs) I I, I I don't think I've got the video anymore, because I think I put it like on Vine or some shit. Um, Yeah. So anyway, you were going back and talking about the new Ghostbusters game. Oh, I haven't played it yet. I, I promised myself I would I would buy it as a gift after I finished like these 
this round of commercials that I'm working on that's like taking my soul from my body. Mm. So I can't. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but uh, it looks like a lot of fun. You can even play as a ghost, That's but cool. you play with like a group of people online, and and you are Ghostbusters, and you you get to customize your character mm-hmm. yourself to look like however you want. How did this movie do in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first joke of the commentary. Good job, Chris. Look at that fucking NES advantage. Yeah, I'll tell you what. That's the best usage of the NES advantage that you could ever have. (laughs) (laughs) And now we have Howard Huntsbury. Yeah, cover version. Because when they make the toaster dance, it's the original. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously there's a lot of... uh, uh, suspension of disbelief that Brandon, you hear. why doesn't the slime wash off when they walk across New York Harbor? <laughs> as as difficult as this thing is to move, how does it get off the giant pedestal that it's resting yeah, on? That's the other thing, too, is that, yeah, there's a big drop. Like, anybody that's actually been to the Statue of Liberty, you know, the damn thing is way, like, what is it? Four stories? Five stories? It's not high? that big. No, I mean the pedestal is like oh, four, the pedestal, yeah. five, four or five stories The high. pedestal is almost as tall as the statue. Yeah. So this is actually, too, like a reprisal of... Well, well, initially there was supposed to be a shot of Stay Puft coming out of the Hudson River mm-hmm. toward New York. And they cut it from the first movie. Hmm. So the idea there is that they got to kind of, you know... Do some of the ideas that they couldn't yeah. do in the first one. Boy, this equipment's heavy. I love the earmuffs, though. That really sells it. Yeah. And I think it's kind of funny, too, that he's wearing a Spangler uniform, but of Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Harold Ramis, Ramis is the tallest of the three. Yeah, and... and, and Moranis is the smallest. Yeah, is considerably Easily. shorter than anybody. Do you think Harold's taller than uh, uh, Ernie? There's a couple scenes when they're all walking together, unless yeah. they're walking on apple boxes or something. Ramis is the tallest. God damn, because uh, uh, Bill Murray is like 6'2". He's a tall motherfucker, too. Maybe he's just six foot. I don't know. Have you read the uh, Harold Ramis uh, biography? I have not. Do you have it? I do not. Oh, look, Trump Tower. Hey, can I tell you a quick little story about Trump Tower or Trump uh, building? Sure. I made a commercial uh, out in Vegas Mm -hmm. and we shot an aerial and the aerial, one of the buildings was of the the Trump building, the Trump Casino or whatever it is in Mm -hmm. Vegas. And it says it, but we also put words, like 3D words, kind of like David Fincher's opening credits for Panic Room, mm-hmm. like over the building. It aired in Vegas. It didn't air anywhere. It was like a regional spot in Vegas. We got a cease and desist from Donald Trump's lawyers mm-hmm. for using the building. Well, that's what they do, right? Yeah. I mean, we had to go back and digitally remove the word Trump from the building, the name Trump from the building. 
it's insane. I mean, you would think that you would just feel <laughs> like, like you're wearing the fucking Happy New Year hats. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know holding them hostage. Well, the baby looks the same. If anything, he's got a better smile. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Statue of Liberty would work to this day to separate negative slime from it's like such a positive symbol? Do you think that that's still the case today? (laughs) We get a little too political now. Yeah. Well, we here at Dead City Drive-In are just big Trumpers. My question is, well, never mind. I'm, why? That's, that's me nitpicking. <laughs> Wait, what? Is it about the movie? What? Tell yeah. me, tell me, tell me. With the slime blowers and the proton packs, how are they going to fit through the gaps in the crown <laughs> to, to repel <laughs> down? That was one thing I did never really understood, too. I'm like, that's not big. You you see it when they're up there, like, actually riding Liberty, Lady Liberty, through the yeah, city. Yeah, how they get it's through like, that? They, they can't fit through there. That's pretty funny. This movie's bullshit. Yeah, that's it. They like to rhyme a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Two in the box, ready to go. One down on the ground. Well, that's a good thing you have that hose for. Yeah, that's what that's there for. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, the wind's blowing. And when wind blows indoors, oh, look, that's that's a red rocket. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, it is a little disappointing how they defeat Vigo. Yeah. They just spray him and shoot him like, that's it. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't how it originally was written. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, the the Raphael Fettuccini artwork and everything was... It's a little, little yeah. too 1989. This is where I started getting a, a scared when I was a kid. Oh, you just gave up your position where the baby is, Peter. There's a shot of Vigo. That was really stupid. There's a when shot someone of says, you're a god, uh, where he looks exactly like Elias Cateus from Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah? Here we go. I'll, 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 I'll show you. Casey Jones. I'm fine. I'm fine. Here it comes. Here comes Casey Jones. There he is. <laughs> I don't know why that looks like fucking Casey Jones to me. No? Yeah, I don't see it. Fuck you. You've oh. ruined my childhood. Hey, I've been doing it all day. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, I mean, it was the 80s. What do you think that yellow thing is? There's more Ghostbusters tech that I... Yeah, I was going to say, it's a stud finder. Is it a stud finder? <laughs> Bonehead. I guess the, the confrontation... Yeah, the final confrontation is a little a little anticlimactic. Because mm-hmm. I think they were doing fine up until they get to the end of the movie. It's yeah. just like this final act... It's a little rushed. It's a little, like, that's a little lame, you know? They're just shaking, doing force acting like uh, everybody in Star Wars has Mm -hmm. to do. Although that fucking voice is pretty scary. Yeah. Now we become one. I come in peace. (laughs) There's a movie that's You go in pieces. And you leave in pieces, asshole. Is that it? You leave in pieces? No, he says you go. I come in peace, you go in pieces, asshole. No, and you leave in pieces, asshole. And then he shoots him. He says leave? He doesn't say go? He says leave. Man. They're singing songs. What happened to Kurt Fuller? So his character, uh, originally, it's a deleted scene. He goes to uh, the mayor's like, "Stop, stop that building from being covered in slime. And he goes and pounds on it, and it sucks him in mm-hmm. and spits his shoes out. So he gets killed and eaten by the slime. Nice. But that's not in the movie. Instead, we have a shot of him singing, this scared me, dude, right here. When his well, face some shrinks. CGI. There. Yep. Ew. Yeah, we do that with our Instagram filters these days, right? Yep. That's now he scary. has horns. That's fucking scary. Although those contacts, yeah, that was pretty spooky. No, he's, yeah. You've been a bad monkey. There needs to be more scary Vigo. Um, Ray, we'd like to shoot the monster. Can you please move? Now, is that Dan Aykroyd in the makeup in that shot? Uh, Yes, I think so. That's him there for sure. Uh, there should have been more of that. Again, back to the Ghostbusters video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray gets possessed several times in the game, <laughs> which is funny. And they're always like, you got possessed again. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> That's it. He turns into a small head, blows up in a painting. That's it. Didn't they just reuse the Death Star explosion for that? <clears throat> right? Look, the fact of the matter is Ghostbusters is one of the greatest movies ever made. Of course. There's no way. I say this all the time about like Jaws 2. Like Jaws 2 would be a great movie if it was not the sequel to Jaws. Yeah. And Ghostbusters 2 I think would be a, a great movie if it were not the sequel. To well, you know, I think the one big thing and I, we're talking like big, like really really big. The one big thing that's missing between Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2 is the hedgehog Ron Jeremy. He's not at the climax. We ne- Oh, I didn't mean to say it like yeah, that Ron, either. Ron, Ron Jeremy is always the climax. <laughs> and this boot. Oh, it's just so thick. I know. God. I mean, obviously, Ron Jeremy was there. I, <laughs> no, think, was- I, think, I think he and Peter yeah, North. Peter North were hanging are, out. Like, are, are their auxiliary Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, guys. We need to. It's like, we well, you're in luck. I've been eating celery all day. <laughs> I do. I really do. Hey, there's that pea tube. Pretty dumb. <laughs> mm. yeah. So the hey, wait a second. This is how the first movie ended. The statue falls over. There's also another deleted scene where they take the Statue of Liberty back. Notice Ramus and Ackroyd do not have an ampersand between their names. Yes. That means that they did not write the script together as a writing team. Yeah. Now, here we get some outtakes of some deleted scenes. Well, remember, they do actually go back to Liberty Island at the end of this, too. Yeah, but there was a whole scene where they uh, restore the Statue of Liberty back to normal. They give him a key to the city. Mm-hmm. Look at all these deleted scenes. Where well, is that? Well, they give him the key to the city at Liberty Island. They called the Ghostbusters and the Ink Control. Have him throwing parties for a bunch of children. So that's the scene the where he comes out. out the building. They just rolled the camera when he chases the car out. That's where this is. This outtake is from. I don't know where that's from. We didn't see this scene. Did that I looks see like when fart? Th- that's probably when they came in. There's Kurt Fuller. There's Kurt Fuller. Now I guess he's happy. I don't know about that. Yeah. Oh, there's the Deutschendorf twins. And Slimer for all the kids. And all the kids are like, it doesn't look like fucking Slimer. What is this shit? Bernie Brillstein? Look at the dance. There it is. Yeah, he was in the first one, too, involved in the first one. I know. Michael Chapman is back. Great director of photography. Bo Welch, a different production designer. Mm -hmm. So this is Tim Burton's guy. Yep. Sheldon Kahn, Don Cambert. So it's, you know, we're seeing different crew members here. Here we go. Here's the Liberty Island stuff. Oh, that's right. I guess there's more of it. Dennis Murin, which it was Richard Edlund in the first one, wasn't it? How did it get down from there? It levitated. Oh, Randy, go home. So it's it's really like a totally different crew in this movie. Yeah. And that's probably part of the... Not that... The, look, th- there are issues with the movie. I, it's a, it's beloved. It's I love the movie. Yeah. But like when it's you start to... It's not perfect, but... We've had 33 years to think about it and to watch it. I've seen this movie thousands of times. Yeah. And it's what you start to think about when you've watched the movie over and over and over again. It's like... Things that could have been. Why is it different? Why is this not like this? And and there you go. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a different. Oh, Rick Henricks is on it though. That's interesting as a set designer. It's, there's Tim Burton's other guy. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I did that. That's embarrassing. Yeah, we all are, Brandon. We all are. Very embarrassing. 
Okay, chief lighting t- technician is Les Kovacs. Laszlo Kovacs was the DP on the first film, so that maybe yeah. it's his son? Maybe. I wonder if Laszlo just was not alive. Some people fear it. Spirits. Some people just won't Dougie Doug it. and the Get Fresh crew. You got it. That's all right. Some people just won't go near it. The Ghostbusters are back in all brand new. Come on. That's child's play. (laughs) Don't play me out. The one thing I love about both movies is they both have a montage of songs at the end credits. That's true. Now the time has come for all what to know. Larry McConkey <laughs> <laughs> has been made, and, and we we're back. We're, we're back, back to fight, fight the, the evil. evil. We, we will never deceive you. ILM mm-hmm. having a hard go of it this year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they were they were pretty busy. I mean, it's not really. You know, it is what it is. What's the next song? What comes next? Do they do Run DMC again? Uh, I'm trying to remember the the montage. I could, I yeah, because I, I could honestly, do the first one. I could do it start to finish, but this one I've been made, and we went back. Oh, maybe they go back to Flip City to fight the evil. We will never deceive you. We're back. Buzz Nightig. Oh, no, but go into the score. Hmm? Oh, no, it's no, Run DMC. It's Run DMC, yeah. Dun, dun, Plus dun, dun, 200 dun, dun. other artists and technicians at ILM. Sorry, guys, you're not going to get credit. But in a few years, you all will be, and you will make everybody want to leave the room because of all these credits needing to be in there. Yeah. Groom in the room. Outside is the storm. All, All alone. alone in the crib. Watching the tube. Yo, was that what I did? Did Gotta I see something move? <laughs> Your heart fills with fright. Hey, Not by the way. by the things that go bump in the night. No Ghostbusters song, except for the very beginning yeah. of the movie. The Ghostbusters. Did you know that very recently Ray Parker Jr. came out talking about this, that... He's convinced that they tried to bury this. They are still in the process of trying to bury his song. Really? Because of the controversy of... Uh, a new drug? Of what it is, yeah. Hmm. Now, did I never got to tell you... Did, did I tell you this story? A friend of mine got to go uh, meet Ivan Reitman before he passed away at, uh-huh. at Sony. And uh, he goes, is there anything you want me to, ha- to ask uh, Ivan Reitman? And I said, yeah, I... Ask him, I'm dying to know. Oh, this is the friend that fucked up the actual question. Yes, you 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 screwed it up. So please, go ahead and tell the story, though. Sorry. So I asked him, he said, what what should I ask? And I said, okay, it would be great. I happen to know that in 1984, every band on Columbia Records submitted demos for Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. I would love to know for the song. 
who some of those bands are. Like, did Van Halen put it, you know, put it, I, I looked up, like, who was on Columbia Records at the time, thinking maybe it was this band, this band, this band. Who could it have been? <clears throat> he goes to Ivan Reitman, and he asks him, uh, is it true, or is it true that other people wrote songs for their first Ghostbusters, the theme song? And Ivan Reitman just looks at him and goes, Yes. Next, <laughs> like that was it. Wasted opportunity. That was it. He just he like and I, you know, it's because they all have a a, a muzzle. They're not allowed to talk about legally mm-hmm. what went on with the writing of that song. Yeah, because Huey Lewis was supposed to do the theme song. Ivan Reitman. That's who he wanted. When he found out that they couldn't get him, he had Ray Parker Jr. essentially rip him off. Oh, so he was prompted to write it in that fashion. Yes, huh? Ivan Reitman is. The man responsible for, for the controversy, the controversy, but they're all they're not allowed they're not allowed to talk about it legally. Yeah. So Ivan Reitman was extremely defensive, and I saw that. And he oh by the way he was filming him. Oh, I you showed me the yeah, video. I have the video of it and yeah, I've seen like the video. There it goes Ghostbusters two guys. Um, but just wrapping up the story that. That is, uh, I saw that tyrant come out in Ivan Reitman when he was asked that question, and yeah. he dismissed him and said, "Basically, get out of line." That's it. We're not at no more questions. Good job. Yeah, good job, Eric. <laughs> but uh, I'm still. It's like it's one of those things that will always be locked in the vault. We'll never get to hear those demos nope. of all the other songs that could have been. So yeah, Ray Parker has come out and said he feels that they've buried his song for you know legal reasons and it's a shame because i don't know the song is it's a catchy tune yeah and it's always been a catchy tune and it will continue to be a catchy tune i have two children a seven-year-old and a three-year-old you want to know something they love ray parker jr's ghostbusters song and you know who played the the music on that album that song who prince toto oh was it toto it's toto oh boy toto baby do, 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 do. Well, Ghostbusters 2, do, 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 the 1989 classic. I don't know. Do, 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 would you call it a classic? Do, 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 do. Um, well, let's see. It is to it's me. It's got Bill Murray in it. It's got Harold Ramis in it. It's got Dan Aykroyd. It's got Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, a great Randy Edelman score. <laughs> oh. It's gorgeous. And I, you, I forgot, really, you forgot I to mention Slimer. And Slimer, yes. <laughs> so whose departed spirit do you think this Slimer was in this movie? Because we know Onion Head was supposed to be John Belushi. So who do you think really is the embodiment in Slimer in this one? Because John Candy was still alive when this movie was made. He does look like John Candy. He does. He does. Very much so. I think it's John Candy. But he's still alive. I think they predicted his death. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like one of those kind of doppelganger things that Mm -hmm. when you actually see them on the street, you know that you have a certain amount of time. And John Candy saw this movie and he was like, well, time to die. And he did. And he was supposed to be the original Louis Tully. He was! But he wanted (laughs) to play him with a weird accent. Which is... Mind blowing with Janos. With yeah. Janos. This is basically that character then. We are really getting to the bottom. I'll bet you, I'll bet you that, that that 
John Candy saw this movie and went, man. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go see it. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well, this is a lot of fun. This is a great movie to watch on New Year's. It's yeah. a great first of the year, start of the year movie. Yeah. If you're listening to this, that is not when you're watching it. <laughs> but close enough, I guess. You think we should trade out the uh, Plymouth Fury for Ecto-1? Dude. Just so you know, I would we give... We get some bitches in the back of Ecto-1. <laughs> I would give everything up to be a Ghostbuster. Yeah? Yeah. It'd be a cool gig. That's my dream job. Yeah. Although, playing the video game, I was like, I think I'll probably get bored with this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Those long hours. Yeah. There's a lot of work. You're I'm too old and fat. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm too old for the shit. Well... Ghostbusting is a young man's game. It is. It really is. Which is... <laughs> why they put them all in the new one um guys this was a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed watching ghostbusters 2 with us uh while we talked all over that movie just like ron jeremy coded the floor we coded this movie (laughs) yeah yeah. with words yes why why is the movie drippings with our goo but we had a great time and we are seriously considering doing an entire season of commentaries just because we love doing them so much, we Absolutely. love watching movies together and watching them with you. But we want to know what you guys think. So remember, if you have any comments for us, make sure that you send your questions to DeadCityDriveIn at gmail.com. Don't just rate us two stars. Yeah, if and you're going to rate us two stars and everything and not write a single thing, you know, that's not helpful. No, give that's us not the, helpful. either five stars or go we home. We want a dialogue here. If you're going to rate us two stars, please have the gumption to tell us why you give us two stars. I mean, we get that it's every New Yorker's God-given right to be a complete their, asshole. Yeah, yeah, complete but... <laughs> exactly. Treat other human beings as dirt. Well, guys, this is another fun commentary episode of Dead City Drive, and thank you so much for watching along with us. Uh, Once again, I'm Brandon Winded. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it's probably Brandon and Chris killing that motherfucker who gave us two stars. (laughs) Want to have words with the management? Email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future episode. And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show, keep the admission free, and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen. Under 17, not admitted without parent.